your one stop for exclusive interviews. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma quarterback commit Cooper Wilcox. Cooper, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Man, really, the culture that the coaches show as soon as you walk in the doors, they make you feel like your family. They make you feel like a, a healthy environment to come and play football. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma senior H-back Dante McGee. Dante, thank you for taking time this morning to talk to me. This is honestly a once-a-lifetime thing, you know. Usually you get your five years and you're done, but you know, you get an extra year of play. I was like, you know what, I, I want to come back. I want to spend another year with these guys. Game press conferences. I didn't really like my first read, so I was just went to playmaker mode. Game previews, recaps, brought to you by me, your host, JG Smooth. You're listening to The Cho Show, only on the Suave Report. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Choso Podcast presented by TheSwallReport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. You know, I, I know last week I kind of gave a brief rundown overview of my thoughts because I said it was going to have... Uh, a season recap with our dear friends Dante McGee and I'm trying my Zelda Fourth. That is still in the works. Okay, I kind of want. I I decided I want to come on here and get it. Kind of do two versions of it, maybe like a part one, part two. I don't know how I'm gonna really frame it, but I kind of wanted to, to kind of give my perspective, and then we will have Dante and Johnny's perspective, which I think will just be cool in general. Um, but I also I also think that because. I normally do this as well, and I just I think that it'd be cool to kind of have two different perspectives, as well as a cool. I have a cool idea of how I want to do the recap with Johnny and 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 Dante. Um, so while I'm figuring this out here, I do want to give you all something because it might be a minute because obviously the semester is coming to a close. There, obviously it's Thanksgiving. They're gonna be with their families, and then they gotta come back and they got finals. So. Uh, it, it might be a minute before we get that, but I, I have, a, have a great idea for it. I think they're going to be on board with it because those, those are great men. So um, I, I just I cannot wait until we until we do that. But I felt the need to come on here and also give you all something to listen to uh, if you are traveling uh, for Thanksgiving, which if you are traveling, I hope you all have very safe travels. Uh, I know you're driving can be crazy some, some, sometimes during the holiday season, so I hope you get to and from your destination very safely and eat lots and lots and lots and lots of turkey. I'm going to go ahead and jump into it, though. If we just if we just objectively look at the football season as a whole now that it has been a week, I'm recording this on Saturday, November the 19th. But I think we've kind of had time for emotions to settle down here. Obviously, I was in the most on training wreck last last week. And I do appreciate those that were um that reached out and 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 thanked me and offered support there uh after last week's episode because that was a that was a very rough one to get through. Probably the hardest episode I had to I had had to record, but again in a very good, 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 good way. Um, but I think now, if you were up to objectively look at the season, okay, I feel like you could look at it one or two ways. You could look at it as this is this is a great step for the program, which which it is. They had a winning season. They had a 
excuse me, they had a winning home record, right? Uh, you know, they, they got better as a team as the season went on. Or you could look at it as an opportunity lost to really make a statement return to the conference. Okay, now I say that because at one point, UCO was second in the conference. They finished what was it, sixth in the in the in the conference there, and it it literally it literally the the two losses they had well again the two losses they had the Washburn and Kearney should have been wins. Now again, last week I said I know the Washburn game the final score was a twenty eight point loss. Again, the game closer to that until the fourth quarter happened. Things happened. Very bad wind happened. But to me, to me though, it the Kearney game, the Kearney game should have been a win. So that's just a death a hundred percent should have been a, a, a win. And if that if that indeed is a win, I think we're talking about usually preparing for a, a, a bowl game here. I just I quite frankly I do believe that because of seven wins, I they've historically gone to bowls with seven wins. I think that might have still been the case. Uh, and then you also look at the Missouri Southern game. I still do not know. I do not know what went wrong in that fourth quarter of that Missouri Southern game. I will have to, at some point in time in the offseason, go back and rewatch that game, try to figure out what went wrong because I don't. I just. I don't. I don't know. That that is that still confounds me. And that was played back in 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 what. September, September seventeenth. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it was very, very, very weird, weird collapse. But uh, and, and so I think there, there is indeed an opportunity missed. I think also you can look at it not only was an opportunity missed, but some of the same problems that have been the Achilles heel of the program ever since. Ever since I've been covering, right, it was consistency, okay? Because you you look at, at the at the fact, okay, they was able to beat Emporia. That's one of the most grittiest uh, the games I've I've had the pleasure of watching the efforts Stephon Brown had in that football game. Again, if if you watched that game and was not moved by by what you saw, then I, I do not know what to tell you. Okay, they they had to win over top three Missouri, uh, Northwest Missouri, which I did, I did, I did call right. Then after that, they rattled off three straight wins. Granted, it was against three of the weaker teams in the conference, but they handled business there. Okay, but I think the problem though, the one and three down the down the stretch here, okay, is what is what really hurt. Now the Washburn game hurt. Because they did not execute early on in the, in the game when they had to win at the backs, and then that cost them in the second half. You look at the current game again; it's just the facts here. We can't penalties, right? Like we can't have an illegal shift on the fourth and one to get the first down. You pretty much win the football game, right? We can't have that. The secondary falls. On that final drive, we just—it's just a lot of self-sabotage in that in that game. Nearly was self-sabotage last week 
because as I mentioned last week, it was a very ugly football game. Uh, they was able to win that football game, but I can tell you right now, that, <laughs> that might have been... I mean, the defense... The defense, well, did they drop? Okay, I, I, the, the, the defense did they drop? They held from some Missouri. They forced two missed field goals. Okay, they, they did. They didn't allow a touchdown until the until the fourth quarter. Offensively, against a team of Central Missouri's caliber, that has got to be the worst offensive display of the season because we were fight out better than them. I, I, I was telling Landon actually when we were, when we was walking. Off the field after they uh, run out and Central Missouri ran on the field. I said, if we don't, if we don't beat these guys, then we 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 got some problems. Okay, there's no disrespect to Central Mo, Central Mo. There's no disrespect to uh, head head coach Josh Lamberson, but it just is what it is. Like you you can you could look on our sideline and you could look at the Mule sideline. You could objectively see who the better football team was. And we really did not show that. Let's be honest. We really did not show that. Uh, we did just enough to win the football game. Again, we, the important thing is that we won the football game. You would have liked it to be a more convincing win. Uh, but again, a win is a win. But, you know, and then you obviously, you had the Pitt State game. We know how bad that that was. And I, you have to give the guys credit, though, because... Right after you've lost, what did two straight games? Was sixteen to like seventy something? Right, like I, you, you, you could have folded the tent. Okay, I did. They could have folded the tent, and I give them credit for not folding the tent. They fall hard the last two games, and they they ended with a a winning a winning a winning record. But I want to circle back to the Pitt State game because. Here, here's the thing. If if we if we want if we want to take that next step, okay, if we want to bring into the top half of the conference. Okay, we have to show up though in games against the best, right? Like obviously, I figured they was going to show up against my West Missouri. Obviously, because of the history with them and Coach Doyle, I just. I, I knew they were going to win that football game. That's why I was not surprised they won the football game. Okay. But you can't, you can't, you right, you can't go turn in what you did against Emporia, who I think finished third in the conference. Okay. You can't turn that in and then turn in what we saw against Pitt State. Because it'd be, it'd have been different. Like I said, then if you still had came out in that football game against Pitt State, fought hard, tried their best, and that was the outcome. I could I could live with that. I've seen it before. As I mentioned, 2019 Northwest Missouri, that team tried their best in that football game and just got ran off because they were just flat out outmatched. Okay, now granted, Pitt State is a very good football team. I do not dispute that claim. But if if you look at the effort though, you still had the following week against against Kearney. To to that, it was night and day. And, and I said I went I said then that you regardless of what the record is, should never be in a position where that's the performance that they turn in. And I stand I stand by that because. If if you're gonna the 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 MIAA, let's be honest here, what top three conference in Division Two football, very brutal conference. 
very physical conference. It was 11 straight weeks of, of, of just tough, hard-nosed football. Okay, so adversity is going to strike. Injuries is going to strike. Okay, but what you can't do is fold in the face of that. And I felt like that's what we saw in that Pitt State game. Now, I again, I, shout out to the leaders in the locker room staff, Rob, Mike, Dante, Johnny, whoever else. Okay, because I they, they, they rallied the troops and they fall hard the rest of the way. It's just we can't have that because your teams are going to look at that and say, oh, well, you know, if... Boy, I tell you what, if UCO has two bad games, uh, they're gonna just pack it in. But we can't, we can't have that. Like, like you, you got to be the team that, like, they're gonna know. You know what? They're gonna, they might lose the game, but they're gonna, they're gonna fight. I look at Missouri Southern. Yeah, Missouri Southern. Let's be honest here. That is a ball club. They went what four and seven this year. I, you know what though? I get. I guarantee you, every team they played respected them because that's a ball club that fought hard regardless. Okay, I I I went back to uh, Northeastern State in twenty nineteen. Right, that's a very bad team. That's a historically bad bad football team. They were again, once again, bad this year. They were still bad last year, but they seem to be more competitive. Okay. That was a team I said though in 2019. Yeah, I they had my respect because they fought hard. They was just very, 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 very bad. Okay. It, it is and it's set because if you fight hard, you can win games you aren't supposed to win. Right? Was you still supposed to win an important game? No, they weren't. But they fought hard and they won the game. Were they supposed to be, be in Northwest Missouri? No, they weren't, but they fought hard and they won that game. Okay. I just were they supposed to be in the game against Kearney? No, they won't. But they fought hard in that game. I just think if you can get that for 11 weeks, okay, then I think we're talking about a team next year because you look at what is what is returning. Obviously, there's Stephon Brown, the man that runs the show, right? And this is prior to anybody transferring, so it's just it's subject to change. But you look at the running back room, everybody of note is back. You look at the wide receiver room, the only loss is Brazil the fourth. Okay, you look at the tight end room, everybody is back. You look at the H-back room, there's a big hole there left by, by Dante. But however, Dominique Dunn, the redshirt freshman out of Mustang, who I said reminded me a lot of Dante, he is back as well. Okay, you if you if you look at the offensive line. All those guys are back. You look at the defensive line is probably going to be the biggest hit, and that's just because of the, of the two men that are lost there in Michael Slade and Robert Robert Fuentes. But you still got Mike Pope Jr. back. You still got Hunter Larger back. You're gonna you're gonna have a healthy Zane Adams back. Uh, you're gonna have Julius Coates back. Who again, we can get what we got towards the tail end of the of the season there. It's just going to be an absolute force. You got Calvin Hutchings who's turning a corner, but, but but prior to the foot injury, right? Like you've got guys there, okay. So and, and I know they brought in actually they brought in a Virginia Tech transfer. Was it last week? Last week, I believe it was. I that is a unit as long as Coach Rashad Sanders is there, I have no worries about because again the 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 man the job that man has done has been just tremendous. Uh, and then you look at the at the at the linebacking court, right? You're only losing Jason Harris. 
All right, so you got Blake Barone back. You got Molo Hughes back. You got Zion Bell back. You got Connor Johnson back. Uh, you've got, well, you got Chris Herbin back, right? I think you'll have Jaden Mullen hopefully finally healthy. You've got some really good looking redshirt freshmen there and Jack Puckett, Joey Haver back, uh, you know, come off redshirt. Chase Favors back. So I, again, that's a unit there. Coach Jesse Harrell. And uh, Coach Brandon Lechtenberg, I just, I'm really high on that unit. To me, the biggest key is if, if we can get growth in the secondary. Let's be honest here, that was the Achilles heel. And let's be honest here, that's probably why over the past few weeks, I've seen them offer five to six Juco defensive backs because that is a unit that, that has to get immediately better. And I mean immediately better. If, if we are to take the next step, because if you if you look at the numbers, the fact UCL only allowed 21.7 points per game and only 341.1 yards a game, given the secondary roles and had 13 picks. OK, I, if, if we get the second, if we get the secondary fixed. I, this has the uh, this has the potential to be an historically good defense next year, and, and I I a hundred percent mean that because the the, the problem with uh, Dylan Dylan Buckheit, who was third team All Conference, I believe, just, man just stays getting robbed in the, in the All Conference honors. I think last year he was second team again. Don't know how he was my first team. I just need to just show me show me how the first team was last year was better. But he had to make up too much ground. I know uh, Rick Paul Wicks, he has some injury issues. Hopefully, he can stay healthy because that is a man that is a very good impact player as as, as well. Uh, if we can get more consistently, consistency, <laughs> consistency out of Jonathan Mosley would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we know he almost had that pick six there against Washburn, and then he got burnt. A lot there against Kearney. I just we just gotta see, gotta see more there. Um, also, Amante Davis is a guy I felt like actually played better when he moved over to Raekwon Wickspot after he was hurt. Uh, I, I, I he he I will say I will say he did have a very good what three game stretch to end the in the season because he had that pick against Pitt State. I know he had a good game against Kearney. Uh, then he had some clutch tackles there late in the game last week. Uh, and then you've got you got to have a couple of, of, of other younger guys there as well, right? You've got Kaishawn Murray. He had his his moments. Uh, Tibbs McDonald. He had his his moments, right? Uh, and then you you also look at at Kobe Stevens. Uh, Kobe, I just, I just again I think it's consistency. I I think it's like a, it's consistency because there were times right. You go back to that current game. Uh, it made two tremendous plays on third down. I do not believe he allowed more than three catches. Okay, but then you go to the Pitt State game and the man is getting killed the whole game. Like, it's just consistency's got to be there. I know towards the tail end of the season, they were throwing out uh, true freshman Jaleet Lewis out of Denison, Texas, and uh, fellow true freshman Jamori Ray out of Tulsa Union. Now, I will say 
I will say Jamori Ray did look really good there towards the end of the season. I think this is a guy. I know we talked to Coach and Coach uh, Adam McGuire when he came on the preseason. He did, he kept he kept bringing up Jamori Ray's name. Usually, when a coach keeps bringing up a guy's a guy's name, okay, they have a lot of faith in the man. Uh, I, I I I do see why. You also got uh, Aaron Hamilton, excuse me, the fellow, a true freshman out of Union, not a Union, out of Wilka, excuse me. Uh, he had that beautiful pick there against Northeastern State. That's the guy I saw. I've seen him post game. That is a guy very, uh, how do how you want to say? I don't, not physically mature, but very big for a true freshman. I know that was the guy that coach. Head coach Adam Doyle, when we talked to him as well, uh, was just really impressed by, by how physically imposing that Aaron Hamilton uh, looked there. And then you also had Grant Lord, the OBU transfer by way of Jinx. Uh, I know they are losing Von Derry, who uh, was he like a spy, like it was a spot starter. Again, he had his moments. Uh, Trayvon Craig, to me, though, is the biggest loss in the secondary. I, it's just it's because he's such a phys, he's such a physical player. Uh, especially he was so good against the run last year. I know he didn't have he did he didn't have the similar production that he did last year. Uh, but again, I just it, 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 it when you when you. Uh, Okay, this is tough because I'm not going to say that he's a Jakari Hunt enforcer, but like in terms of physicality, Trayvon Craig was that guy. And you're going to have to replace that. Uh, Hopefully we can get to see what Mark Goldsby can do. Uh, He's a redshirt last year. Then he was hurt this year. I know he's one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, When we talked to, well, when I I talked to, Peyton lost because again that audio just this the connection was just so bad. It was unfortunate because that was a fantastic interview. Uh, but I, I know he 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 kept mentioning how fast Mark Goldsby was. I right, hopefully we can we can see him. I'm also high on redshirt freshman Makai Bell out of Union. When I watched the tape, I said he reminded me a lot of Trayvon Cray. I, I hope that that's the case there. Because, because again, it's someone's gonna have to take that, take that spot there. Uh, but I, I just feel like I feel like the, if we get to secondary, the 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 defense is going to be there. Okay, now what? But hit. But see, the problem is, it just like in too many games this year, the offense was just not there. It's very tough to win games. In today's college football, you're averaging only 22.4 points per game and 340 and a half yards per game. It's just very tough, okay? And if it was not for the fact UCL is one of the best defensive units, not only in the conference, but in all Division II to, to football, they're not getting to six, six wins. <clears throat> yeah, let's, let's, just, let's call it what it is, okay? Because... And I know, I know they lost the offensive coordinator prior to the season. I, I know it was a, like a group effort there on the offensive side of the ball between Coach Adam Lechtenberg, Coach James Curley, and Coach uh, Doral himself there. I believe Coach Doral was the one that was calling the plays. I, d- I don't know how that 
was was working. I just know it's got to improve. We've got to open up the offense because we, we just it, it seemed like we to be honest, it seemed like we ran the same five plays 75% of the time. Right. It it was it was a swing, it was a screen, it was it was a quarterback keeper. It was either a, a, a handoff out the eye or it was like an outside sweep. It, it, it's just, we, we've got, we, we've just got to get, we've got to get better there. Okay. And, and, and I will say though, some, a lot of drives was also hindered by, by penalties. Okay. Because we can't, we had too many penalties and too many false starts. Right, we we had we had too many illegal shifts. Yeah, we 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 had receivers that were covered up. The holding call, we we were not we were not built offensively last year to overcome that, and that's why the offense only converted twenty seven point five percent of third down. Because when you're in third and twelve, third and ten, third and fifteen. It's very hard to convert in general. When you were offensively challenged like UCO was this season, that becomes even more difficult, okay? And and the games where he was able to stay in front of the trans was the games where the offense had the most success, right? You look, obviously, Lincoln, Northeastern State, that's that's just that's just a gimme. But, like, Fort Hayes, right? Okay, Fort Hayes, that's a game... They stood in front of the trains most of the time. They had success. You look at Emporia. They were in front of the trains most of the time. They had success. And for success offensively for UCO is different than other teams. Success for UCO might mean we we, we might not get any points, but we could run off five or six six minutes here because you could clearly tell that the the strategy this year Long sustained drives limit the other team's possession. It, it it's it's it is almost like a service academy mindset, right? Like when you play Army and Navy, sure, you, I'm sure they would love to score on every drive, but their biggest thing is we're going to run clock, okay, and limit your possessions. Make you have to get out of what you want to do offensively because you know you're only going to have X amount of drives a game. And the thing with UCO's defense is that it becomes even tougher because of what UCO's defense is able to do. And that's the thing. Like I said last week, if UCO could find a way to get 28 points a game, I, I they can win a lot of football games. They, they could win a whole lot of football games if, we, if they, they consistently average 28 points a game, uh, I, I just because we, we 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 were we were killing the defense there, right? You look at the season opener against against Missouri Western, and that was a game. I was I was more listen. I was not as down after that game as I think a lot of people were because obviously you get shut out. The offense just looked dismal. But I, I said that. I said, you know what? The when I saw that, I saw that the defense is capable of winning football games. That's exactly what they did this, this, this season. Now, I also said offensively, I said way back in the preseason, 
it's going to take some time because obviously it's a new scheme. You got to put a whole new receiving core. There's a lot of moving parts there. Okay. The offensive line, to be honest, was very, 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 very bad early on in the season. And that might have also been a contributing factor as to the to the play calling. But I just go back to the Ford Hayes game. We let Steph let that let let the man rip there right with with uh Oscar Hammond, with Jacob Delso, who who really turned it on there the second half of the season, right? Uh uh, Terrell Davis, he had his moments too. Okay, yeah, you got the Juco, Madison, Ridgeway, who he can stay healthy. Uh, I I mentioned this last week. I don't think I finished my thought last week. I'm just gonna tell you right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, Madison Ridgeway. In in terms in terms of height, weight, speed, just uh, physical ability. I the best looking wide receiver I have seen in in in, in that regard. Okay, I'm talking about in terms of this of 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 uh, intangibles, measurables. Okay, I just the feeling you get. I have not seen. I have not felt that. <coughs> excuse me. I have not felt that out of a UCO receiver since Josh Crockett was here. And we all know, well, we don't all know. If you are new, Josh Crockett, absolute beast out of Bristol. Uh, uh, he spent time with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and with the Dallas Renegades in the second reboot of the XFL. Very good receiver, uh, one of the best in school history. He was 6'4", 195, and ran a 4'4". Okay, Madison Ridgeway is similar. I do not know what the man's 40 time is. I just do know when he was healthy this 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 season and he got going. You go back to that Fort Hayes game, man looked really good. Okay, and if we, if he can stay healthy, he can build that chemistry with with Steph. I think that receiving core is going to be very dangerous. Because Jacob Delso, I'm going to say um, right now. Uh, it, he it, they, uh, Jacob Delso is a complete receiver because uh, we we seen what he can do right uh, going going deep. We've seen him go across the middle into into uh, intermediate game. We've seen him take little quick passes and turn them into ten yard gains. We see he's able to make the contested catch. Uh, he's just, he reminds me, he reminds me of, it reminds me of Lele Curry. He just reminds me of Lele Curry. I said to real Davis did coming out of Choctaw. I, I still hope that that's somewhere in him because he did have a good stretch of games there prior to him getting hurt. But I, J- Jacob Delso is a guy that's just what you call a dog. And, and I just... We can get Madison alongside him. We get Diego going again. I this has been very. I feel bad for Diego because every time he gets some momentum, the man gets gets hurt. We we get Diego going. Uh, we can get Kevin Williams, the uh, deep threat freshman out of Westmore, going, and I that that's going to depend a lot on the offensive line this year. We able to take more deep shots. 
Yeah, we can get those guys going, right? We we can get Terrell Davis to keep on coming along. We can get JV on Dangerfield. We I just gonna say we we need a lot more out of out of JV. We we just we we need out of more out of him in the pass game, in the return game. We can't we can't be dropping punts. We we just we can't be dropping punts. We can't be fumbling punts. Cause we we need you can't you can't give people the ball in plus territory like that. Uh, we just gotta get better at that. We, we we just flat out have to get better. I don't know if he's the determined, but we gotta get that fixed. That that's that's another thing that absolutely hundred percent has to be fixed. But if you look at that receiving core, you also have Jalen Slim Reed and Armour. That reminded me a lot of former UCL receiver. Mikhail Hall, he's going to be off red shirts. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to bring in some more guys as well. But you look at that, and you team that with Oscar Hammond, the, the true freshman tight end out of, out, of, out, of, out, of, out of Collinsville, looked as good as advertised. Are uh, they going to have Tyler McCarty out of Tuttle? I know Coach Donald was really high on him, felt like they got a steal with him off red shirt. And then you also have Devin Bailey, the 6'7". Eastern New Mexico transfer. I think played in a few games. I I just, I just and then Dominic Dunn. Okay, and we saw what Dominic Dunn can can uh, do. Also, as good as I had, as I had hoped for. That's a lot of weapons there, and that's not counting what we saw out of uh, Nasir Kemper, Andrew Carney, and Jenna Cottrell uh, out the backfield in the past game too. I I just I just there's 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 a lot of weapons here. There's a lot of weapons offensively, to where the 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 offensive line. Again, this is where consistency comes into play. If the offensive line can can consistently hold up, okay, there's no reason why you show at a minimum should not be averaging twenty eight or more points per game. Like, there's just no reason for it. They, they, with, with the weapons they have now, they can't claim that there's zero experience now. You can't claim that there's zero chemistry now. If the offensive line holds up, there should be no excuse as to why the offense should only be averaging 22 points a game next year. There should just be none, okay? And, and it does, if that's the case, um, we're we going to have to just, just, just question why that is, okay? Because I, 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 I can't see it. I, I just... I just cannot, cannot see it. And on the offensive line, I mean, I, I got to get, I give, like, the offensive line, like I said, at times, they look really good. Okay, I will say we need more consistency there out of Noah Dobson. I'm not going to say he had a sophomore slump, but he definitely was not as impressive as his true freshman season there. Uh, there was games he looked really dominant, and there was games where he got dominated. Let's call it what it is. Uh, we we just got to get more consistency there. Same out of Cooper Cooper McCoy. I think he was third team all conference, but again, at times he 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 was he was just dominated on. Uh, I I did like the what I saw out of true freshman Walker Peck out of out of Norman North. He looked he looked solid when, when he was in there. Uh, I think Lane had a great season. And for one, he was healthy for the full season, to my knowledge. There, uh, it, it, I, you know, 
this is this is a guy. I, obviously, the family connections here. I just, <coughs> I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad he had the season that he did there, heading into his his senior year. Uh, and then I also was impressed by Kellen Coperson there, the redshirt freshman transfer out of Stephen of Austin. He plays some center and guard there as well. I, I said the, the if the offensive line can play the way they did against against Northwest, against Fort Hayes, uh, and against Pitt State, because again, I feel like the pass protection was there against Pitt State. Uh, just the receivers was not getting open and the run game was just not existing. Uh, I, 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 I really do, I really do believe um, that uh, that if they can get more consistent, then this is an offense that should be very, very, very dangerous. And if, if the offense becomes very, very, very dangerous, we know the defense is very, very, very dangerous. And, and that should be a combination for a lot of wins. And so that is my hope heading into next season uh, for, for, for sure. Um, and, and then, you know, we, we, we went, went over the numbers last week. Go over them again briefly here. Uh, offensively, you show averaging 22.4 points per game, 147.8 yards a game rushing at four yards a carry. 192.7 yards a game passing with 13 touchdowns to nine picks. 340.5 yards a game. Uh, 27.5% on third down. 55.5% on fourth. Sacked 20 times. I think that was down from last year. I think last year was like 27 sacks. So I, I said again and again, the, the scheme changed. I'm not, I'm not a whole lot there too. Also having staff back there as opposed to Keats. Let, let's, let's be honest here. There was there was many sacks that uh, Steph escaped from. Uh, scored 30 touchdowns on the season, 14 and 18 on field goals, 28 or 37 in the red zone, 19 of them being touchdowns, 25 or 28 on PATs, and then defensively here, Allowing 21.7 points per game, 138.4 yards rushing at 3.7 yards a carry, 202.7 yards a game passing, 15 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 341.1 yards a game, allowing 39.7% on third, 28.5% on fourth, allowing 20 sacks, I mean, a notching 20 sacks. 9-11 on field goals, 29-34 in the red zone, 21 of them being touchdowns, 26 or 28 on PATs, and in the quarter by quarter, again, UCO outscoring the foes, 58-54 in the first, outscoring them in the second, 84-57, and then being outscored in the third, 49-51, and outscored in the fourth, 56-77. Again, the second half, though, a lot of it was conservative football, especially when you factor in Lincoln and Northeastern State there. Uh, that, that just for sure, but, but by half, they're running the ball. Uh, and then, like I said, you look at Central Missouri, that's what, that's what, that's what that was. Northwest was similar. Uh, it's just a lot of conservative football there in the second half um, from UCO, so that also can contribute to why the second half numbers 
are as bad as they are on top of games where the offense didn't show up and the defense was absolutely gassed. Uh, but if we're looking, you know, position by position, yeah, no kind of just did that uh, in terms of, of, of projecting for the, the future. But for this year, obviously, the offense stopped and started with quarterbacks to Fawn Brown. As you mentioned last week, fantastic news that he's coming back for, was it his sixth season? Sixth, seventh season? I, I don't the man, the man is returning, and that that's that's really all I care about. Uh, because we saw the strides he made this season compared to last season, up to sixty five point two percent completion percentage. I have said and go back to the very first video on the YouTube channel. Again, that link is in the description. I have a channel update over there dropping tomorrow, or you're hearing this Tuesday, so. It's draw. It, it has. It has. It has already dropped. However, if you have not seen it yet, it is there. Kind of tells you about what to expect there in the coming months. Uh, he completed fifty-one percent of his passes last year. I said way back in the very first video, the QB breakdown. We could. We could. We could get that up to sixty percent. Uh, how better the offense would look, and, and the man topped that at sixty-five percent. Uh, he did have six picks. I know the first half of the season, I think he had like one. He had a few in that Washburn game because of the wind. So I, if, if you take away that, that's four. And then he had that very, the, that, that, the, brutal, the brutal pick there against Curry when he tried to throw the ball at Dante late. So half his picks came in later half of the of the season. I just thought overall though he did a better job of throwing the ball away, uh, looking at the second and third reads, and then when he did run, doing a better job of of sliding and getting out of bounds. Because again, we know we know that went against the man's nature. Like it it, it just find out did it just find out did. Um, so I'm glad that he, like I said, that that he made those strides. I can't wait to see how much more strides the man makes. When you would count, it took probably five or six games for him to really start getting that chemistry there with the uh, receiving core. Uh, so Steph obviously was the leading passer this year, 1,784 yards, 12 touchdowns to six picks. And then was the leading rusher, 439 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, it j- again, this is not much more you can say about about the about the man that hasn't already been said. Uh, and then looking at the other quarterback, a uh, Peyton Thompson, the always transfer from from Union. And, I mean, he. he he doesn't wow you. I can tell you that much. He he, he doesn't he doesn't wow you. He doesn't. Uh, he's he's a game manager. I, that's that's what I have deduced, right? Like I think he's a guy that's not going to lose you games. But I don't know if he's a guy that's going to necessarily win you games. You know what I mean? Like he's that prototypical backup quarterback. You know that it, it could be worse. It, it could definitely be uh, worse. It could. But it could also be be better. And uh, I saw on Twitter today where uh, UCO has offered Missouri Southern grad transfer Dawson Hurl. Now, you know I'm a big Daw- Dawson Hurl guy. 
Did not know he was about to be a grad transfer. Um, but uh, I, I, that's that's a that's a big loss though for Missouri Southern because that that's a program. I know they they had Jacob Pork in twenty nineteen, but prior to that, it's been a tough stretch of them for quarterback play. They finally got a guy. Uh, I said I said last year looked really good, and then uh, that's 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 a that's that's a that's a that's a very very tough loss for that program. Uh, and then as you know, I'm still high on redshirt freshman Cooper Wilcox out of Greenbrier, Arkansas. I just, I just, I still stand by that. I uh, I I still stand stand by that. And then obviously there's JD Geneva, uh, who went two for two this season against against Lincoln. It's hard to judge a man off of off of off of, off of two passes. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that bag of race uh, kind of shakes out because I think Steph is the unquestioned starter here. Uh, and then if we're looking in the run game, it it really similar to 2019, not 2019, 2017, 17, 17, 2017, when uh, all the running backs were hurt because, as you know, last week we was down to literally uh, Jenna Cottrell and a fullback Andrew Carney because everybody was hurt. I know Nasir was banged up. Uh, Jace, again, we know, unfortunately, he tore ACL in the Pitt State game there. And then uh, Antonio Jr. Smith, the freshman out of Union, mentally retired, came back and then quit. <clears throat> so uh, it was it was very – and then Peyton Scott was also healthy, but he got banged up in that game. I really hope Peyton Scott – really the whole unit next year. I really hope – we have better better health there because uh, you have to give credit to running back coach James Gilbert the job that he did because the, it, it it one because from a consistency standpoint because guys were just were just hurt but I thought he did a very good job though of utilizing the backs right because Jalen. Jalen and Nasir to me are are better receiving backs than they are running backs, especially Nasir. Now Jalen showed a lot the, the past few games, lowering the shoulder. Nasir to me is your prototypical receiving receiving back. Okay, then you look to me, Peyton and Jace. More of your physical downhill runners. Now they do offer some in the in the past game, but I did their their bread and butter. You get them between the tackles. Uh, you let them run over people. You let them run downhill. Uh, I think that that right there is great. And I mentioned last week. I know Peyton Scott not gonna like to hear this from me again, but I. I think if you're that coaching staff, though, like you got to consider, you seriously got to consider paying Scott as a fullback because it, it, the way he was stonewalling guys, and this goes back to what Coach Gilbert said when we talked to him. He, he mentioned paying Scott was by far the best pass blocker, the best run blocker. Uh, and we saw that uh, Payton Scott was stonewalling guys, and and that that was after he he got hurt and came back in the game. And here's the thing: I know we like to do the the fullback dives there on fourth and short. 
If you get paid, it's kind of fullback dive. Shit, no one can see the man. I mean, you get him a fullback dive, run behind Lane, run behind uh, whoever the guard is, because it, it, it varies. They cannot see Peyton. So uh, I just think that's something that has to be looked at because Andrew Carney, uh, the former quarterback and true freshman out of, out of Collinsville, I, I, I think fullback is almost too limiting of a role for him because we, we see what he can do now as the primary ball carrier, right? We know what he can do in the past game. I just, I almost kind of want them to switch positions. I, I, I kind of really do, uh, to be honest with you here, because I think, I think that would just get the most out of both of those, of those, those guys, to be honest with you. Uh, and then they have Nate Jones, the freshman of Clinton, uh, there off red shirt uh, coming next season as well. But that is a unit there. I, I have to give Coach uh, Coach Gilbert there a lot a lot of credit because as a very good unit that just never could really find their footing because of because of injuries. But I still think they're really good. Uh, Jalen Control led the way, three hundred sixty one yards, three touchdowns, and five yards to carry. And then you had the Seer. 201 yards, two touchdowns on four yards carry. Carney, uh, 182, three touchdowns on 4.2 yards carry. Jace, 175 yards, one touchdown, 4.2 yards a carry. And then Payton Scott, 97 yards, one score at 5.1 yards a carry. Again, we can get Jace back to what he was doing last year. Yeah, because uh, it just... It just and I, I, I really, I really hope so. I, I really hope it. No, it was a tough year for the, for the guy. I'm proud of the way that he finished that that the season off there. So that's another unit with a very bright future. Again, looking at the receiving core, which we already had touched on. So I'm not gonna spend too much time there. Uh, just just more so looking at the overall numbers. Jacob Delso led the way, 29 catches, 445, four touchdowns. Oscar Hammond, 25 catches, 327, one touchdown. Dominic Dunn, 12 for 178, one touchdown. Dante, 20 for 171, one touchdown. Terrell, 15 for 160. Nasir, 19 for 155. Two touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Cottrell, 27 for 154. One touchdown. Madison, eight for 148, one touchdown. Corny, uh, eight for 109, one touchdown. Bizelde, four for nine for 104. Diego, 12 for 58, one touchdown. Kavion Williams, three for 25. Dangerfield, five for 22. Peyton Hunt, two for 16. Steph, one for 15. Adrian Wilson, two for 14. Jace Gardner, three for 13, and Peyton, one for six. Uh, and then looking at the return game, again, mentioned before, we just need more of that out of Dangerfield. If he is indeed supposed to be the uh, return man there for us on punts, kickoff returns. Again, Kobe Stevens, he can break anyone. I just need to see better decision-making on running those out as opposed to just taking the fair catch. Uh, and then we turn at the kicking game for Cuvedo. 
Uh, where we at? Here we go. 14 to 18 on field goals. Uh, again, his misses were from 40 and beyond. Uh, I, I just, I still think uh, he's, he's got, he's got a great pedigree. Obviously, his brother's one of the best kickers in school history. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. I just, we just need to kick less than 18 field goals would be much, much, much appreciated. Uh, the, the, the extra points though are concerning because why, why are we missing extra points? Like that should just never be a thing uh, unless it is, unless it is blocked. Uh, and then punting again, David, David Vargas, I just, you know, uh, thanks Wasu for handing us David Vargas because uh, I, I let me let me tell you we 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 went from Jay Tedesco was a great A punter we had last year split between Francisco Moreno and Bo Phelps and uh, we got David Vargas in there and David Vargas uh, just great A punting one of the best in the in the conference glad he is a Bronco. And then if we look defensively here, again, that's just that's just a team, and that that's just a unit that again we touched on before. It just a great A football. Uh, we went over the numbers last week as well. I'll go over them again here here briefly. Um, Dylan Buckhart, seventy-one tackles, three TFLs, two breakups. Blake Barone, sixty tackles. Three TFLs, one hurry, one forced fumble. Connor Johnson, 51 tackles. Three TFLs, one sack, two picks, two breakups, one hurry, one recovery. Chase Faber, 46 tackles, three and a half TFL. One sack, one pick, one breakup, one recovery. Jonathan Mosley, 42 tackles, a half TFL, one pick, two breakups. Noah West. Breakout season, 39 tackles, 9.5 TFL, 5.5 sacks, led the team. Two interceptions, one break up, one hurry, one for fumble. If, if, I will say, if anybody benefited from the scheme change from a 4-3 to a 3-3-5, it was Noah West. Uh, just simply moving out of a three-point stance to a stand-up. Uh, it just did wonders there for the uh, man. Uh, you know, I said last week it was going to be tough for me to choose a defensive MVP, and it's still very tough because you could argue, right, Dylan was there, had to do a lot of the dirty work to clean stuff up. Obviously, you got Rob and Mike. Uh, Hunter Larson is an unsung hero, in my opinion, there, too. Uh, you know, it's it's. I, I, I think we know at at the end of the day here who would who would who would has to beat it. I no, I just I, there was never a game this season where Noah West did not make plays. Uh, and and so, uh, you know, we, we'll we'll see what happens come Monday. Uh, who who is indeed the inaugural show show defensive player of the year? Just know he is in the in the running along with a lot of other players. You know, Trayvon Craig, 34 tackles, three TFLs, one interception, two breakups, one recovery. Uh, Kobe Stevens, 33 tackles, one and a half TFL, two picks, four breakups. Amante Davis, 30 tackles, two and a half TFLs, two picks, four breakups. Hunter Largen, 28 tackles, one TFL. A half sack, four hurries. 
Uh, again, his impact goes beyond the stat sheet. Robert Fuentes, different catch. 27 tackles, 10 and a half TFLs. I mean, 10 TFLs led the team, three and a half sacks. One breakup, two hurries. I just, uh, you know, I just, ah, uh, it's tough, man. That's, that's going to be tough to replace. I just, I just, Ron was a different beast. I just, you just, you just, you appreciate a guy like that and you hated it. You hated it with him. And Michael Slater, also a different cat. I found it kind of poetic. Each had 27 tackles this, this season. Uh, seven TFLs, four and a half, see, four and a half sacks. Now, why am I just not? I saw this last week, too, which is sad. Four, he had four and a half sacks. I mean, and, and, and that's what getting, like, double teamed off rip every play. But that's well, good for Mike. Good, 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 good for Mike. Uh, one breakup, eight hurries, one fumble, one force fumble, one recovery. Raekwon Wicks, 27 tackles, one, one TFL. <laughs> One breakup. Jason Harris, 24 tackles, four TFLs, one sack. Two hurries, one recovery for a touchdown. One forced fumble. Marco Domio, who's no longer on the team, 19 tackles, four breakups, one hurry. Julius Coach, 17 tackles, three and a half TFLs. Four, hur- four breakups, one hurry. Again, most of that came last four games of the season. Kyshawn Murray. 17 tackles, a half TFL, two breakups. Zane Adams, 15 tackles, two TFLs, one hurry. Hopefully, he's more healthy next year. Von Derry, uh, 14 tackles, one breakup. Marlo Hughes, 13 tackles, a half TFL, two breakups. Calvin Hutchings, 13 tackles, two TFLs, one sack, one hurry. Again, this is a guy I feel like is turning, turning a corner here. Jamori Ray, 12 tackles, uh, two TFLs, one sack, one breakup, one recovery. Grant Lohr, 11 tackles, three TFLs, one sack, one breakup. Wait, wait. No, did it make zero breakups. Raymond McGuire, 11 tackles, one breakup. Michael Pope Jr., 10 tackles, a half TFL, one hurry. Again, his impact goes beyond the stat sheet. Montreal Cozart, eight tackles, a half TFL, three hurries. Jordan Levu, seven tackles, two hurries. Uh, Zion Bell, six tackles. Aaron Hamilton, five tackles, one interception. Jaleek Lewis, five tackles, one breakup. So they've been a pick six. Uh, the team as a whole, five tackles. Stephon Brown, three tackles. Javacio Brunson, who we need to see more out of, just to be honest here. You can't, bro, can't be 300 and what, 10 pounds and can't get off a block against Lincoln. I mean, we, we, I mean, we just, we got to call it what it is here, bro. Like, we, we, we need, we need more out of the man. Uh, Missouri Southern tape was very, very bad. Uh, he was stonewalled. It is better against Lincoln, but it is Lincoln. It just, we just need, just need more, bro. We, we just, we just, we just need more. Um, three tackles from Kevion Williams, two for Oscar Hammond, one for Jalen Cottrell, one for Jace Gardner, one for Christian Herbin, 
One for Peyton Hunt, who was a fantastic long snapper, I might add. One for Nasir. One for Cooper McCoy. One for Nikki Nikki Cuvedo. One for Evan Reigns. One for Peyton Scott. One for Peyton Thompson. And one from Stefan Tolan, the freshman out of Bristol. So, uh, again, like I mentioned before, it, it is very up and down season, a very inconsistent season, but a winning season nonetheless. And I think it, it's, it's definitely one that the program can can use to build off of. Uh, before we get out of here, though, there was the all-conference teams, as I alluded to uh, earlier when mentioning uh, one Dylan, Dylan Buckheit there was indeed released, and uh, there were some Broncos on there. There was a dozen. As far as second-teamers, there was Michael Slater and Nicky Cavado. I was like, he felt like maybe Mike was cheated somewhere. Now, I, I, now, now, definitely here, definitely here on the third team, there was Oscar Hammond, Lane Grantham, Robert Fuentes, and Kobe Stevens. I question why was Robert third team? I I I, I come on now. The a third team a Rob a, a, we talked about he had how many TFOs of it? Let, 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 let's go back. Let's let let's let's just let's just go back here because Rob had get to it here. Man had ten TFLs, three and a half sacks, and that is only worth third team. And I, I I have some questions here. I, I I have some questions that I need I need I need answered because uh, I mean I, who's ahead? I, who is who is ahead? Because I need to know. I I I need to know. This is this is I have a bone to pick with the postseasons here awards because going back to 2017 when JT Looper led every level of football in receiving and was only a second team All-American. Yeah, come on now. Come on. I mean, this is, you gotta call it what it is. Uh, and then honorable mention, Andrew Carney, Cooper McCoy, Noah Dobson, Noah West, Connor Johnson, Dylan Buckeye. Now again, how is Noah West honorable mention? Like what, uh, what, what, what tape are they watching here? I mean, I, I mean, golly. I mean, Connor and Connors would probably be borderline third, thirteen. The way he made, he made, he made plays. Uh, it just, it just again. I just, I question the validity of that because it, it is. And this is like the fourth. I don't remember eighteen or nineteen. I feel like if guys were were robbed, I, I bet you there probably was guys that was that was robbed there. Uh, and then again, last year, like I mentioned before, Dylan Buckheim was most definitely robbed. Uh, I, ju I just, I, 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 I need to see what the criteria is, who is making these these decisions, because I have some questions that I would like to get answers to, um, because that that just makes no sense. Uh, but wrapping it up here as well. So, like I said, we'll be back here hopefully with um, the other season recap part, and then. Uh, Pretty soon, I'm going to have something on the basketball front. I also, um, I am on, if you recall, James D. Jackson 
He's been on the podcast before. He's co-hosted a few times. I have now been on his new podcast, Rip Jersey Podcast. I will leave a link below in the description. I've been on his podcast a few times. We talking uh, in NBA, NFL. I, I just I'd appreciate if you all would give it a a, a listen. Uh, it does feel good at times to talk other happenings, but outside of QCO, uh, and he is also a fellow Cho 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 uh, Cho alum. So I just would give it a listen if you like what you what you hear. Uh, please do subscribe over there as well. I'll be a, a recurring guest, so you will see my pretty face and hear my uh, voice quite often over there. Um, and then finally, as I mentioned before, last week we were in the process of making some merch. I had to get a logo made, um, and so that, that there will be a lot of stuff coming soon. I will definitely keep you all updated on that as well. Again. Um, I appreciate all the support uh, this season. I, I really do. No, we're not stopping. No, this is only the uh, beginning. And so, uh, like I said, we should be back here, hopefully in the coming weeks. But until that time, my name is Jonathan Goodo, AKA JD Smooth. Have a good, safe Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you all later.